Hello and welcome back to the history of the British Isles, Armistice Special. In this episode I'm not focusing on the political, military or economic history of, war, of the war. This episode is about 37 million people who gave up their lives for nothing. 21 years after the guns fell silent on the Western Front, the world raged up in war for the second time in the 20th century. The second war would be more brutal, but the deaths would come quicker, a pitched battle. The thing that is so tragic about the First World War is the fact that it was needless. One man started it all, Gavrilo Princip. He was a young Bosnian Slavic nationalist living in the Austro-Hungarian Empire, and he decided to kill the heir to the throne. He probably wouldn't have done it if he knew the after-effects. Austria-Hungary declared war on Serbia, who was an ally of Russia. The system of alliances meant to stop war spiralled out of control, with Russia and France going towards Germany and Austria-Hungary. Britain joined after Germany invaded Belgium, starting the Great War, the war to end all wars, the first one, in fact. I'll talk about the war from a political angle at some point in the far future with this podcast, but for now let's talk about life on the ground. How I do this is through the perspective of a soldier in the trenches, a fictional one. This man will be in, in the British Army and will be fighting the Battle of the Somme. His name is Lieutenant Richard Pierce and he is in charge of a platoon of artillerymen. And now, let me start the tale. We were readying up our guns. Our order was to bombard the jerry barbed wire so men could, on the ground could get through and, we ta- and take the trenches on the other side of no man's land. The whole operation was risky, but Phil Marshall Haig was looking for some kind of way to break the stalemate and send and send the Germans packing all the way to Berlin. Some men looked forward to going over the edge. It was torture being packed into the trenches, along with the dead bodies and rats. It seems like something you may see in the apocalypse. The trenches were packed with dead men, their rotting bodies making even the hardest of them want to vomit. Out in no man's land, it was just the same. No bodies were ever buried, so anyone who died over the top stayed over the top, lying in the artillery shell made craters filled with sludgy puddles. If we could just get away from it all and into some fresh scenery, it would do the whole of all of us a lot of good. That's why the infantry were going over the top, after all. I checked my watch and realised it was time to fire. I called my men to get their guns and to get to to get to their guns and start blasting the jerrys. Our old 60-pound district card of shells rained down the Germans' line. Any surprise consumed was washed away as the guns pounded. We fired with precision, and the men got covered in soot. We did not stop firing for fear it would let, give the Germans time to recover. Other guards were fought for firing all around us. The sky turned black with shells, firing from every side of the German positions. Never in my life had I seen such a mass of shells, pouring over the German lines like a monsoon storm in faraway India while such a storm was entirely composing of hail. Unfortunately, it seemed as if our bombardment was having little effect on the Germans, hiding away in their trenches as they were. I even heard some of the men laughing, and this is probably a little more than bravado. For five days we continued. It seemed there was no end to our bombardment, and the Germans no longer laughed in the face of it. If our work did nothing else, they stopped the Germans from sleeping. We fired our last shot, then a whistle blew. The infantry ran over the top of our lines in waves, being shot down by the dozen. The Germans were not too tired to fight, it seems. As our men approached the barbed wire, we realised we were making a fatal miscalculation. Our shots had not broken the wire. The men were, were stuck 
tried to defend themselves they frankly used as they, as they frantically used their wire cutters. Attack after attack was repelled and we fought for months on end till our t- infantry was finally ordered to stop. Haig's great plan had merely pushed us a couple of metres closer to Berlin. Thank you for listening to the History of the British Isles. This podcast has, has been seeing growth recently, so let's keep it up. Hope you enjoy the storytelling style of this episode. There are some really small things that I need to research to make to make it accurate. For example, the type of artillery that was most likely used. I may push my release schedule forward to get an extra episode in, but it all depends on the process progress I'm making on the website. Goodbye, unless we forget.